of you today. I say this, I don't know, once a month or a couple times a month, I don't know, but I usually say it, that Sunday, I love Sunday because Sundays are my fun days, right? Sundays are our what? Fun days, amen. And it's fun because we get to come together as this church to worship and praise our awesome God and celebrate life changed through his son, Jesus Christ. That's what makes sun, Sundays our fun days, at least it does for me. Uh, if, if you are new with us, welcome. Welcome to Vertical Church. We love the fact that you are here today. We hope that you enjoy your time with us. Uh, my name is Rich. I'm one of the pastors on staff. Uh, we hope that today is a God-awesome Sunday for you as you spend it with us here at Vertical Church. Uh, church, before we get into this morning's conversation, I just want to share some information with you. Uh, you know that we have been praying, we've been walking through, we've been asking you to pray with us as we're looking to rebuild our staff here at Vertical Church. Uh, in the past several months, we've had some really good interviews and conversations with some people around the area and around the uh, country, and uh, just past last week, we, uh, some of you met them. This is uh, Andreas and his wife, Kara. If you could show us that picture, that'd be this right here. We extended a call for Andreas to come to be associate pastor here at Vertical Church and lead our youth ministry, our student ministry, and also to lead other ministries among the church. Uh, they will be coming in beginning of July. So thank you for praying. This is a step forward for us as a church, right? Amen. Amen. I've known Andreas for over five years and care as well. They're an amazing couple. They, they were here. I don't know if you saw them last week. Uh, they were around and talked to several of you. Uh, they were here several weeks ago incognito. You didn't know. They were kind of dashing in and out, looking and checking things out. Um, but they are super stoked to be a part of the team here and be part of this church family because it's an amazing church family. And that's you, right, church? Um, so next week, I'm hoping to have a video for the, they'll introduce themselves to you and tell you a little bit about, you know, being excited to be here. But I just wanted to share that amazing news with you this morning. Thank you for praying. Continue to pray as we continue to, to build God's staff for what he wants for his church, for where we're going to go, for what he has for us as vertical. Amen for that. Well, today we step into our, our latest series that we've been walking through. We've had some pauses here and there. And it's a series called Label Maker. It's a series that we've been walking through some areas in our life that flipping the script in our lives. You know, it's pretty, let me just put it this way. Over the course of our lives, labels have been placed on us. Over the course of our lives, they've been placed on us. The labels have been put on us to define who we are and what we, can, what we can and cannot do. Labels that try to be put on us have been put on us by people that try to tell us uh, what we'll never become because of that label. And unfortunately, as I look across this room, every single one of us, and, and we have been labeled. We have been labeled by people who are close to us. We have been labeled by people who barely know us. And we have been labeled by people who have no clue who we are just by them seeing us or what they heard about us. We have been labeled. You know, one of my favorite uh, videos, maybe it was a commercial, I don't quite remember, um, was it's a, it's a video a commercial where these, there's two guys and they're, they're sitting on a park bench. And one guy is on his phone and the other guy is reading a book. 
The guy who's reading his phone, is, he's, he's all punked out, man. He's got a, a tri-colored mohawk, and he's got body piercings all over, ripped jeans, and, you know, some jewelry and all sorts of things, and he's just sitting there. And the other guy next to him, you know, he's got a backpack, like he's in school. He's got sneakers, regular, you know, jeans on and a shirt. I think he's wearing a sweater or whatever. And so you see these two guys sitting on this park bench, and then all of a sudden you start hearing some narration, you hear a narration of some guys sharing that, like, man, I would love to talk to this guy about Jesus that is next to me. I wonder if he knows Jesus as his Lord and Savior. I, w- I really would love to take the minute to, to invite him to this campus ministry or to invite him to come to be a part of our church because I think he would really love it. And you're watching all this go on and on. You're hearing him talk, and it just goes silent. And they, they're slowly zooming in on these two guys. And the guy on his phone the punked out guy, you see, turn around, look at the guy with the sweater with a book. He's reading a book and says, hey, man, I would love to invite you to church. And the whole time you're sitting here watching this commercial, you're thinking it's the guy reading the book with a backpack because he's a good student. Labeled. That easy. And it can be that damaging. So this morning, we're going to continue in this series. We're going to step into a label that carries a whole lot of guilt and shame. It's a label that holds too many of us captives in our lives. It's a label that many of us didn't see coming. And it's a label of addiction. Label of addiction. Addiction never starts the way we expect it. No one ever says, man, my life is great. I think I'm going to go find something to mess it up. I don't believe that anyone wakes up in the morning when their feet hit the ground and say, you know what? Today, I'm going to make some decisions that's going to send my life down a, a, a pathway of hurt and pain. I don't think that ever happens. I don't think anybody ever intentionally chooses it. But unfortunately, it happens in our lives. Let me just ask this. How many here, how many here have seen someone or are connected with someone who deals with addiction? Look around the room, friends. Look around the room. It's a whole bunch of us. How many would say that we have an addiction? A whole lot less. I wonder. I wonder if we define addiction, we would have more hands raised. See, we hear the word addiction or an addict and immediately think, like, it's, he's talking about drugs and alcohol. That's what we immediately think. Someone whose life has been wrecked because of drugs or alcohol, that's what we see addiction. But what about pornography? What about work? That phrase, workaholic. What about smoking? What about eating? How about social media? Gaming? Pride. I never think about this pride. What what if that's an addiction, this idea that we always have to be right? We always have to be in control. We always have to be in charge. What about any of our electronic devices? How many of us in this room 
panic when we're going down the road and we realize we left our cell phone at home. <laughs> yeah, everybody raise their hand, right? And you're almost to where you're supposed to go. You're like, I'm going to turn around and waste $5, today's day, $25,000 in gas to go home and get it. How many of you, a couple weeks ago, when internet was down for 24 hours because they were switching systems, were all like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I think, I think when it comes to looking at the label of addiction, we need to stop seeing it as a small group of things like, like I said, drugs or alcohol. And start looking at it as for what it is. And as you can see on the screen, being addicted, an addiction is anything in life that masters you in life. That's an addiction. Anything in life that masters you in life. When you have a master, something that is controlling you, in all reality, you are a slave to it. You're a slave to whatever has control over you. Now, I wonder if we said that was our definition, anything in life that masters your life, if I asked again, how many of us in this room have an addiction issue? Yeah. Everything changes, right? And this is what this idea, I love Jesus, I love the church, a blessing having Jesus in our life. Jesus changes everything. Jesus changes what? He changes what? And when he is in our life, in Christ, through his power, through his spirit that resides in the hearts and the lives of those who said yes to him, he changes. He has the power to change from whatever controls us, whatever masters us, whatever addicted we have, addiction we have. He flips the script and says, you are free. You're free from it all. Because who the sun sets free is free indeed. So that's what we're going to walk through this morning. We're going to dig in and try to identify some things in our lives that are mastering us, that are holding us captive, that it's that's putting a label on us that's addicted. We're addicted. And then we're going to bring them all to the feet of the one who has the purpose and the power to change the label to complete freedom. Do me a favor, open your Bibles, if you would, to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, we'll be starting at verse 12 this morning. Your Bibles, your Bible, I hope you have a Bible with you, or a Bible app with you this morning. Romans chapter 6, starting at verse 12. If you do not have one, we can get you one. If you do not have one, no fret, the verses will be on the screen. Romans is a letter that was written to a churches in Rome by a follower of Jesus named Paul. Paul actually wrote a large portion of the New Testament that we're reading from this morning. The Bible's broken up in two different parts, the Old Testament and New Testament. Rome was a culture, man, where everything was, was okay. Everything goes. Whatever pleasure, whatever lifestyle, whatever habit, whatever deeds, when that area was all good. 
And Paul is writing to these followers of Jesus in Rome and saying, okay, you have been set free of all these things that are around you. You have been set free of all these things that you are embracing for yourself because you have died to this old life and you are alive in Jesus Christ. You have been set free. So let's look it into this. If you read on the screen, verse 12, it says, Therefore, do not let sin reign your mortal bodies so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. Let's just stop there. If we're going to work through this addiction, we're flipping the script from addict to freedom, what we need to understand is we need to break what was holding us tight, break free from what's holding tight. In order to do that, we need to bring it and offer it to God. We need to bring our whole self and what's controlling us and master us. We need to offer it all before God. Take what is controlling us and lay it before the one, the only one who can change it. See, just before these verses, and I encourage you to go back and read chapter 6 later. Just before these verses, it tells us, just as death couldn't hold Jesus down, it had no power or master over him. In Jesus, sin, sin has no mastery over us. Our addictions have no mastery over us. That he, in Jesus, has given us everything we need to break free. So here's the truth. Before you can bring it before God, before you can handle the addiction and find freedom, the first thing we need to do is admit that we have a problem. We have to be able to look in a mirror and say, okay, yep, that's an issue in my life. We have to admit that we have a problem. But because we live in a society and a culture that deal with, deals with denial, We'd rather deal with denial, we'd rather carry the shame, carry the guilt, we ignore it, we hide it, we rather than reveal it and heal from it. See, we, act, we walk around in life acting like everything is normal, we look like everybody else on the outside, but in inside, it's really hard for us to face. See, some of our addictions are directly sinful. They are sin-driven and sin-satisfied. Others, not so much. And this is important to hear. The controlling factor of our addictions of our lives are sinful. If we have anything in our lives that masters our lives other than Jesus Christ, we are being controlled by anything other than the Spirit of God who's living in us, residing in us, and surrounding our lives, then we have an addiction. We have a sin issue. We controlled behavior by sin. We are being mastered by something that's not Jesus. I was just praying through this, and I've been walking through this for the last several hours and we're going through this idea of what it means. You know, we have scriptures and it's not gonna be on a screen because I put up this morning, Galatians 5, 16 says, walk by the spirit. I say walk by the spirit and you will not be gratify the desires of the flesh. 
It says that we are to, the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit in verse 17. And the spirit is what contrary to the flesh. The flesh. Ephesians 5 verse 18 says, do not get drunk on wine, but leads to debauchery, but instead be filled with the spirit. Romans 8, a little bit later on in his book, chapter 8, verse 4, it says, in order the, the righteous requirement of law to be filled met in us, we do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. We read these verses in scripture to be controlled, to be filled, to walk, to be led. And this whole idea that the spirit of God residing in us as the children of God, we let that, him, this amazing God, lead us. We let him take the lead of our lives. Because it says be filled with his spirit, it doesn't mean you're going to the gas pump of God. It's like, boom, 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 boom. Here you go. Here's five more gallons of the Holy Spirit. As a Jesus follower, you have the spirit in you. When it says be filled, it means like let him lead you. Let him have control. Because our flesh will do what's contrary to the spirit. Our flesh will go over its evil desires. Our flesh will be addicted and enslaved. But the spirit leads us into freedom. The spirit leads us into righteousness, which means living right with God. And right now, there are some people in the room who are thinking about that one thing that's coming to your mind about in your life that is controlling you, saying to themselves, I can choose to stop at any time I want. I can choose to stop doing that. I just enjoy it right now, so I'm just going to continue to do it. These are things that I like to do. And unfortunately, sometimes what we have deemed as a pastime in our lives as a pathway that leads to a reality of life that we don't want to be controlled. <clears throat> how about how we look? Being addicted to how we look. We're obsessed with our fitness or style. How we take our pictures for social media. I mean, we got to get this look right here, right? Is that, is that the pose? Someone help me out. You've seen my social media. I'm horrible. You got to throw the hip out too. We become addicted to how we look. Having the right clothes, the right shoes, you know, the, the hipster thing. How about having a man or woman on your side? We get, we get addicted to having others. Not healthy relationships. I tell you what, our kids, our teens, are being bombarded with this junk all the time. In school, if they're not wearing the right thing, like, come on. You know you need a flat brim trucker hat? I don't have one of those. I do, I'm giving it away. Um, they're crushed with the pressure of this every single day. To have a boyfriend, to have a girlfriend, to look right. And what happens when they become addicted to it and they start chasing after boys and they start chasing after girls instead of chasing after Jesus. 
Tell me that's not control in our teens. What is mastering you? What has control over your life that's not of God or not of the Holy Spirit? What is something in your life that you can't stop, that you make excuses? Like, oh, no, it's okay. I can do whatever I stop. Or you try to justify, well, I'm only on social media 17 hours a day because I want to stay connected to all my peeps. What is it? So here's a, little bit of, here's a little bit of reality. Some of us in this room are really looking at our addictions, thinking they're not a problem. Others of us in this room are looking at our addictions, thinking, man, I wish I could break free. I can't, I can't, there's no way I can overcome them. The things that I'm addicted to in life are too strong. They're too big. They're too powerful. I don't know how to stop doing them in my life. I don't want to stop giving them control. I have tried so hard so many times. Do you know what I do? I, instead of failing, I just fake it. Well, we simply start the process like this little shepherd boy, right? This little shepherd boy who faced a giant of his own. David faced Goliath. When everyone was around him, doubted him, he looked at him, he stood before this nine foot nine giant and laughed at him. Look at see what David said. He said to this Goliath, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. When we come before our addictions, when we come before what is mastering us and we feel like we can't break free, we say, we come before you who is controlling me. I am no longer your slave. I come to you in front of the Lord Almighty. This is you, this is me, this is us standing before our addiction saying, I come against you with this all-powerful God and you don't stand a chance that I will longer be held captive or controlled by you, by my addiction. I bring them before God. I'm offering all of me. Come to God as an instrument of righteousness. Here I am, all of me, Jesus. Spirit, take over, lead me, bust me free. That's coming before God and offering it all to him. The next step is we open up to others. You got things that are controlling in your life, things that are mastering in your life, things that you're addicted to in life. We, come, we bring it all before God and then we open up to others. We're gonna step out of the passage here real quick and jump to the book of James, verse five, uh, chapter five, verse 16. He says, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. There's power in confession. Confession to God and confession to each other. There is power in prayer. And there is great power when the church does this together. Healing is freeing. What we face that is we're so afraid of because we're afraid of what other people will think. 
So we keep it hidden. And we do nothing. And we still walk away a slave. And some of you are like, well, I can talk to God, but I can't talk to other people. I can handle this all on my own. I can do this, Rich. I don't need to tell other people. Have you broken free yet? Are you still being mastered? Maybe it's time to take the next step and bring it up to others you trust that can walk with you. Because when you do, you're going to get the help that you need in three directions. You'll pray with them. They will pray for you. And they will hold you accountable. Let me just say this there real quick. Let me say this to all of you who are going to hear confessions. That someone may come to you and share something to you that you may have known or might, might have not known and you may be shocked. And depending on what's coming to you, how it's coming to you, you may be offended, angry, or hurt from what is shared with you as someone's confessing. Let me just encourage you, if you're receiving a confession, receive it with grace. Don't, in, don't get angry. You might want to. Don't take it personally. You may be tempted to. Please understand that your response to that confession is critical in the healing of the one who's making it. God wouldn't have put it in his word if he didn't want it to happen. And what is so hard for us to share with others because we become so judgmental what the people are walking through. And that's not the church. When they realize when they're coming to fast, they're indicating they really want to break free. They're taking a step of vulnerability in their lives that they've never done before. We offer it to God. We open up to others. And lastly, we obey from the heart. We obey from the heart. Look at this in verse 17. It says, thanks be to God that through you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your hearts. The pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. I love that Paul or God put this in here. Obey from the heart. It's just not what we think or believe. It's actions in our lives. How we live truly comes from what is buried deep down in our hearts. The center of who we are, who we really are, overflows into our lives. I want to make sure I'm clear with this this morning. Changing a label from addiction to freedom is just not changing our behaviors. It's about changing our hearts. Let God lead our lives. Because I can always curb my behavior but it doesn't mean I'm actually changing. I can always kind of turn things aside and make it look like I'm doing something good, but in the heart it can still be broken because I'm not let God lead me. If we don't know or have experienced the love of God in our lives or allow him to lead us, we, man, we can think this whole breaking free from addiction is a church life thing. 
We can believe this idea that it's a behavioral thing. Not a Jesus changes everything thing. Amen? We have been set free in Jesus. And now it's time for us to live it. Listen, I know scripture says in Jeremiah 17, 9, it says this, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure, who can understand it? Jeremiah is very, very clear and it's very, very true. It all comes back to who's in control of the heart. Who's leading the heart? This past week, the student ministry, Ignite, walked through a series, they finished up a series called King of Hearts. And the simple idea is that we all have a king in our lives. We have a throne seat in our lives is who sits in that throne seat. That throne seat operating like our heart inside who's leading us. Are we, are we sitting in that throne seat? Are we the king of our own hearts? Are we letting God take that seat and lead us? The heart is deceitful above all things when we are in control and we, by the flesh, are leading it. But when Jesus takes the wheel, forget it. I just said that, didn't I? Jesus, take the wheel. (laughs) I didn't see that coming. Freedom comes We're being so in love with God that the sinful control of our addiction doesn't stand a chance. Friends, God is enough. Let me say that again. God is enough. But unfortunately, there's a growing pandemic in the church. They don't believe that God is enough. We come to church, we sing his praises, but when it comes to breaking free, living for Jesus, the spirit living through us, we're like, oh, oh, oh. I don't know if God's that big. I'm just gonna continue to hide it, not truly become who he's called me to be. Let me see if I can explain it this way. We all have thirsty souls. Every single one of us in this room and everyone who's watching online, we all have thirsty souls. We are born with them. In order to satisfy our thirst, we visit one of four wells in life. And we try to find our satisfaction and fulfillment and our worth and them, and let them control us. See, the first well is the well of self. That we come to a well, man, we have thirst souls, we're gonna come to the well of self. Believe that the bettering ourselves will find the satisfaction that we're looking for. If I dress the right way, if I look the right way, if I act the right way, we're gonna keep on going to that well. Why? Because the society and culture says, right, go to the well of self and let it control us. I got this. I'm big and bad. I'm all that in a bag of chips. There's a reason why the better me industry is a multi-billion dollar industry. Books, seminars, videos. They prey on you just trying to make you better because of the well of self. And when we go to the well of self, 
You know what we're saying to God? I don't need you. <laughs> I don't need you, God. I've got it all under control. I'm better than you are. I can fix myself. I'm smarter than you. I'm stronger than you. My plan is better than yours. I mean, come on. I know we're in church, so we, we would never say that out loud, right? I mean, <laughs> walk right off stage. But when we try to go to the well of self to fix us, to lead us, that's exactly what we're doing. The second well is the well of others. When we can't find what we're looking for in ourselves, man, we go running to other people. We look for it in our relationships, our friendships, our spouses. We need them in our lives to quench our thirsts. And when, when that doesn't work out, we go get another. When we're not finding our satisfaction in this person, we're going to find three other people. When they don't work, we're going again and again and again, man. I just need to find what I need in other people. That's the well of others. Let me just speak to the men in this room real quick. Men, women are one of God's greatest creations, but they're horrible gods. And ladies, men, really? Really? They're going to quench your thirst in life? How long, wives, have you trained your, hus to train your husbands to put the toilet seat down? And you think they're, thank you, Jerry Maguire, they're going to complete me? <laughs> we will never find what we're looking for. What we need in others is the well of self or the well of others. And when we try to, it will control us. We will be mastered. We will be addicted. And we will not be free. The third well, when it doesn't come from myself, when it doesn't come from others, but it comes from the world. We go to the well of the world. Man, the world is ridiculously tricky. Satan is really crafty. The world takes what God created to be good when the confinements of his will and it completely distorts it for personal pleasure. That's what the world does. Sex, drugs, alcohol, possession, social media, food. It takes what God created to be good into his direction and his will and destroys it to make it for own pleasure. And all these things, these well, may give us moments of satisfaction, moments of fulfillment, and when they don't last long, because they don't last long, we'll keep on going back. We'll go back to the well again. We'll go back to this well again. We'll go back to the well again. And again. And again. And again. And again. You're mastered. You're controlled. You're an addict. What we need is visit the fourth well. We need the well of Jesus. 
the well of Jesus. Jesus really clarifies this with one simple conversation with a Samaritan woman at the well. In the book of John, go back three books, book of John, chapter four, Jesus is sitting next to a well when a woman comes up next to him and he asks her for something to drink. And because it's widely known that Samaritans and Jews don't get along, they don't get along with each other, she balks at what he's asking. And then Jesus looks at her and says, if you only realize what I'm asking, who's asking you for a drink, you would ask me for a drink and I would give you living water. And then speaking to the well next to him, Jesus makes this life-changing statement in chapter 4, verse 13 and 14. It's on the screen. He says, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. Whoever drinks from the well of people, of others, and myself, or the world, you'll be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him, I, Jesus, give him, will never thirst again. Indeed, I give what I give them that become will spring up this well watering of eternal life. Jesus is the only place that we will find true satisfaction for our thirsty souls. What he gives, what he offers, what he does is change everything. And I get it. It's easier to trust our addiction more than we can God at times. Because our addiction is easier. It's easier. It's quicker. Sometimes we've got to wait on God. We don't want to wait on God, so we go back to our addiction. But every time we do, and I don't need to say this, but I'm going to. It's never lasting. Jesus is the only one who's everlasting. He fixes our addiction, our mastery, and sets us free. He flips a script. Jesus changes the label. In Jesus, you are no longer have to carry the label of being an addict. In Jesus, you can go take these things that are controlling you and set them at his feet. He says, I got this. Keep on coming back to me over and over and over again because I am the only one that can truly set you free. In Jesus, that's what we have. In Jesus, what you have. you're in this room right here right now and you're tired of being controlled just say with pure confidence I come at you with the Lord Almighty you no longer control me because I am a slave to the King of Kings as an instrument righteousness and that's a promise for every single one of you church every single one of you to everything that's controlling you everything that's holding you back you may never want to label as an addict 
maybe it's time to and let Jesus truly set you free. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for your love for us. God, we thank you for Jesus. Knowing that without him, we are still dead in our sin. Without him, we are still walking in our own addictions. We are held captive by the things of this world. But because you loved us so much, because you want us to have a relationship with us, you have sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins, conquered the grave, and in our faith in him, we can be set free. Not free from just death, but free from everything that's holding us back from the life that you've promised us in him. So today, God, I lift this truth right up before you. I lift this church before you. I pray that you will work in their lives so hard this week that they will be busting free left and right from the things that have been holding them back. Right now, I'm going to invite our prayer team to come forward. And if you feel like this morning, man, man, I have, I've been holding on to this. I've been carrying this. I never even identify this as an addiction in my life, man, but I want to be free from this. I want to encourage you after service to come forward and be prayed over, be prayed with. Come up with all confidences. I come before you with the Lord Almighty. Stand with your brothers and sisters in Christ as they hold up your arms to defeat the battle. And if you're in this room and you've never said yes to Jesus, you've never laid down your life to him, I'm gonna say this boldly, you don't have what you need to break free. You're trusting on the well of self, the well of others and the well of the world. And I wanna call you this morning to come to the well of Jesus. You don't have to know everything. Just know that you need him. He is the only one who can set you free. So I encourage you to come forward after service. Be prayed over, pray with, and we will celebrate with you as you cross the threshold of faith from death to life, addicted to free. God, we love you. We serve you. Help us step out of our own way. Come directly to you and embrace the freedom that you give in your son. And it's his precious, holy name that I pray. Amen. God bless church. Have an amazing week.